Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Live, we're with live. We're Thursday Night Live. We're the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, I'm your fearless leader, John Johnston, founder of coronation.com. I'd like to point out that I did not uh, come up with the nickname fearless leader. Somebody else gave it to me or a bunch of people on coronation gave it to me. Uh, There's two things to realize about that. Number one, fearlessness is just another way of saying uh, I'm really stupid and secondly, you should never give yourself your own nickname. It's really lame if you give yourself your own nickname and actually try to convince people to uh, you know, use that as, I, yeah, that was my point on that. I'm joined by Nate McHugh, who's, a, who's become a wonderful addition to the Coronation family and a great writer of his own right. And uh, he's uh, been doing a lot more of the football writing because I haven't done shit lately. And I understand that we should be live on Facebook right now. You can't tell what Facebook is doing because it just, uh, I don't know. It does. It, I think from, we are from, live. Uh, I mean, I guess I can. Oh, my God. We, we have a whole 17 viewers. Well, here's the thing. Ask us questions you want. This is our weekly podcast. We just decided we'd do it live because uh, we're bored. And hopefully this week, the Big Ten had a big announcement that will keep us from being less bored, at least in the not-too-distant future. What happened this week in the Big Ten, Nate? Well, it sounds like we're going to have football. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if we should even expect to have football games at this point. I don't know. I'm just glad that we're trying, you know, at least they're trying that. At least they set out these guidelines or protocols, which I guess we'll have to meet in order to play a football game. And it, you know, as you know, there's teams like Nebraska or Ohio State who want to play. And then there's teams like Rutgers, from what I can tell from that statement that came out, that they're going to look for any reason to not play a football game. They're like, it's going to be a week by week. You know, we're going to, like, we're ready to suspend or to, you know, to not play football, depending on what you guys are doing or what we're doing. And uh, I know that New Jersey has, you know, one of the worst hit states, if not the worst hit state, but it sounds like their numbers are actually really low right now. And so, um, but those protocols that they set out, I uh, I think I mentioned in the, uh, one of the articles and I saw a tweet somewhere it was one of those sources tweets that we saw for a month that you just get tired of. But it, it said that it was from a, a, a president that said, well, this was about a week before the vote or a week before the announcement. It was that all the schools agreed that we're going to have football, but the requirements that they're going to put in place are such that it's going to be impossible to play. And that's kind of where we're at now. And so I guess we're just going to, I mean, there's a lot of questions about what words mean, you know, and are we going to fudge numbers and all that, you know, for teams who want to play, how they're going to do that. But I don't know, John, anything else happened this past couple of days that you're, that you're thinking about? Well, we should, we, we should take a moment to uh, recognize and, and send our condolences to the Frost family as uh, Scott, Frost, Scott Frost's father passed away this week, Larry Frost, who played for Bob Devaney. And, uh, um, you know, I'll tell you what, this I don't mean to seem callous by this, but the guy lived a, an exceptional life, and he was very blessed by what he was able to accomplish as an accomplished wife, has an incredibly accomplished son, you know, that's, uh, I think that's, I don't know how many kids, grandkids he has or anything like that, because when Scott Frost was hired, uh, I remember they, during the press conference or something, he specifically told the media to kind of leave his family out of everything. So 
I really haven't done a lot of work or looked into Scott Frost family background and, uh, you know, knowing much about the Frost family is not something I spend a lot of time doing. I don't have any Frost stories, but uh, I can tell you this, you know, you and I will be lucky if we live one half of the life that guy did with the blessings that he's had. So uh, I'll go back to Rutgers for a minute. May, Sam McCune from the Omaha World Herald did a article this week on Rutgers, and he, he kind of mentioned a Professor Dowling and how he wrote this story. Professor Dowling is an English professor at Rutgers who wrote a book called Confessions of a Spoil Sport. I, I want to say it was back way back in the early 2000s. Uh, I read that book when I first started Coronation. I, I did a lot of book reviews because I wanted to learn as much about college football as I could. And not just Nebraska football, but all of college football. So I've read books from all over the place. And Confessions of a Spoil Sport were about Professor Dowling at Rutgers going on about all these corruptions and scandals and sports and stuff. Um, I never did review the book, and I didn't review it for two reasons. Yeah, number one, I'm as biased as that son of a bitch because he hates Division I sports. He's one of those guys that'll say, well, I'm not against sports, but bullshit he is. Uh, he started out the book by uh, bringing up the scandal of Baylor when uh, their basketball program had the guy that was player that was killed during a drug deal or something like that, and the coach covered it up. And he, he kind of presented that as an example of this is what college sports gets you. You know, it'd be like the same as if saying that you knew a guy somewhere whose family had a killer in it. And you said, well, this is what happens to families everywhere. Everybody has a killer in their family, so they don't have children. But uh, Professor Dowling is a snotty-ass bastard. The other thing that bothered me, <laughs> it's just, bam! Let's just start out early, crushing them into the ground. Okay, the other thing about Professor Dowling that bothered me about the book is he made it very clear that, you know, college sports success brings exposure to your school and it does. And he made the point that you do not want the type of student that college sports brings into your school. He's one of those people that just, he wants to be surrounded by the best and the brightest, never mind the fact that Rutgers people go to Rutgers because they couldn't get into Harvard. You know what I mean? So I've always found that those types of people are, you know, they're kind of elitist. And the other problem I have with it is people should be afforded the opportunity to fail. In other words, I don't like the idea that we have really high college admission standards. I think everybody in the state of Nebraska should have the chance to attend the University of Nebraska because they should be given the opportunity to fail. If they're not good enough to go there, then they'll just drop out but maybe something happened to them in their high school years. They didn't mature enough. They didn't pay attention enough. They were bored, whatever. Let them go to a higher education place and see if they succeed. Things change. But uh, he also started this thing, and I think Rutgers, I think it was called the Rutgers 100, where he started a group and their sole purpose was to rid Rutgers of Division I sports. So Rutgers has this undercurrent of we hate sports, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll condemn them because they're a snotty bunch of academic people, that, and they can be that way at any university. Every university has those people. But, um, you know, and I guess if you're the Rutgers president, you have to live with that, and you have to pander to them because academics can be the biggest pain in the ass in the world. They, they come out and, you know, just uh, the, the guy was like you, we said last week, I think he was gobsmacked by the blowback because of the cancellation of Big Ten football. And what, what a load of shit. So, you know, if Rutgers doesn't want to play, just uh, why don't they just tell people? Why don't you just leave the Big Ten? Why? Because you were addicted to the money, you freaking addicts. Anyway. We could throw out at Rutgers and, uh, I don't know, add somebody else like Missouri. No, not Missouri. They're full of meth. The hell am I saying? All right. That's Rutgers. What, what else is going on? We're not getting many questions here on the Facebook Live post. You guys need to ask us questions. Um, so the gods, the gobsmacked comment, and you heard that from other presidents or reports of other presidents 
And if it's true that they had no idea that there was going to be this blowback or that um, I even saw a report that they thought they'd be um, treated as gods, lower G, because they did the right thing and all that. And if they truly believe that, I mean, that just shows you the circles they run around that they're not really exposed probably to a lot of the athletic side of things. And, and all it is is just the academic probably, which, you know, if you're a university president, you're probably more concerned about the academic side of things. But I don't, I just think, you know, obviously we're, you and I are, you know, foot college football is a part of our identity. And so t- when you know, when we heard that, that, you know, it was going to be canceled or postponed, however you want to think about it. I'm like, yeah, people are going to be pissed. I mean, business owners are going to be pissed. Uh, students, you know, parents, coaches, you know, the economy is going to get destroyed in these cities. I mean, think about, you know, Penn state. I mean, it, what's the name of the city that Penn state's in? Uh, Happy Valley. Uh, yeah. Whatever. State college. Yeah, I guess that place is if they didn't have college football. I mean, Lincoln's probably just fine. I mean, I don't like saying that because there's a lot of businesses that are going to be hurting. Um, but you know, State College, Pennsylvania, that I heard. Well, I've never been there, but supposedly, it literally depends on college football, and so you feel bad for those people. And these presidents, are like, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, almost like, oh. Everyone will understand. And then the whole aftermath. Anyways, we, we, we've already been over that. So I should just – I told myself if they said they're going to have football, I was going to move on and forget about the past, I guess. So anyways. You know what I – you know the exact feeling I had when we were told we weren't going to have football? What? I was gobsmacked. <laughs> <laughs> I did get a question earlier this week uh, that somebody asked me, what happens to the sellout streak? Oh, that's just, oh, as long as they sell the allotment of the tickets, the, the whole allotment and the allotment could be 10,000, you know, then it's a sellout. My understanding is, is there's no, there's no public sale of tickets. Oh you know, yeah. The uh, big 10 came down and said, sorry, no one, not a single member of the, uh, you know, of the conference gets to publicly sell tickets. And I guess uh, Bill Moose came out and said they fought for local control on that. And they wanted, you know, essentially, I think Lancaster County to make that decision. And he essentially caved on it, which is fine, because he said he didn't want that to be a deal breaker. You know, and I think we would all prefer to have football and not have fans than just to not have football. Uh, I was AD, um, so Gary Barta, uh, today came out and said that he thinks the first couple games will be with no fans and then they'll revisit it. So who knows? It could change, but. Well, I would say, you know, they, this, I'm going to try this again because it went live and then it went off live. So we'll, we'll go ahead and get, try to get back on Facebook you know, I, I like screwing with these things mostly because uh, I'm always interested in what the technology is doing. That's probably a uh, really stupid thing, but uh, I don't know. What the hell? I would say the, the, the sellout streak, there's always a lot of things. You, you read on You read on on Facebook or other social media platforms that uh, people about the sellout streak. There, there's always a lot of consternation about it with people. You know, oh, it's been faked for years. The corporate people are buying it. You know, or you know, oh my God, there were some empty seats. You know, if you work with uh, anybody who is like an event type person, they'll tell you that 90% of the tickets sold is a is a sellout streak. It's not like somebody's going to go around and look at every freaking seat in the place and say, oh, my God, that one's empty. That guy didn't show up. It's not sold out. We failed. You know, so there's that concept. Plus, uh, 
if there's no public tickets sold, you're technically not selling tickets to the public. I don't know if we should be worrying about that that much, but you know, it is kind of a big marketing tool for Nebraska. It is unique. It started the year I was born. It's not like you can suddenly make it up. You know, you can't go all the way back to 62 and just suddenly say, oh, we, we reinvented it, you know, or remade it. It'd take another whatever years, well, 58 years. That's how old I am. <laughs> really good with the math there. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Well, you know, when I was, even during the 90s and the early 2000s, they would always announce the, uh, um, the attendance. And it was always different. I, I, I assume the number was completely made up every time, you know, uh, so the attendance is not the sellout streak. You know, that those are two independent things, right? And so it's just as long as they sell every ticket, then it's a sellout. And then you have, you know, where like the Michigan State game a couple of years ago and there's hardly any students there in that corner, you know. But and I'm not too worried about the, the legitimacy of the sellout when 90% of the stadium is full in the middle of the winter, you know. I think it's still kind of the same thing. It's it's not like it's half full, you know. So I don't know. Anyway, so are we live yet, or do you know? Oh, we, it's, it looks like it's live. <laughs> the integration between these things is it, it just says preparing. That's what it constantly says, preparing. But on Facebook, it looks like we're live. Anyway. Uh, Let's go back to that Big Ten announcement. They have all this stuff about the positivity rate, and then they have green, orange, and red ratings. And it, it is very confusing. And you got to wonder who came up with this stuff. Uh, they must be damn – well, everybody on the planet is now better than me at math. But you got a team positivity rate and then a population positivity rate – which I assume the population, good God, English, the population positivity rate is the total population at risk. Is that like literally the total population of what? Oh, that's what my point was. What does that mean? Is that Lancaster County? Is that the city of Lincoln? You know, are you going to bring in Waverly? Are you going to bring in, you know, Bennett? You know, or is the total population rate? would be the team, the trainers, the coaches, oh. everybody, in the athletic staff involved. We don't know. I, I assume that they're going to go off of Lancaster County. That's my – if I read that, that's what I think because it's at risk. So you're thinking about the spread, you know. But I don't – maybe they don't know. <laughs> so, ah. Hey, son, listen, they, they have to know because it, this is being prepared by academic people and they're, you know. Yeah, but like they say active. Why do, I thought I had this statement in front of me. No, I don't. But uh, anyways. They have to know because that way they can, uh, well, you know, there were two things we agreed upon that, that we were disgusted with about the Big Ten and how they handled yes. this. And the number one thing that we were disgusted with was that they were poor. It was poorly communicated. They didn't, we've gone over this several times. The PAC 12 issued a statement said, here's why we're canceling football season. The big 10 did no such thing. There was no communication. Then Kevin Warren went and hit his bathroom for days upon end and didn't talk to anybody. And then when he did, he made stupid statements like this will not be revisited. And if you want to play this year, you're not going to be in my conference. Burger, 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 whatever. Uh, which now makes him look like an idiot. But the lack of transparency. And then secondly, what was the second thing? <laughs> that they didn't even try. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even try to play football and everybody else is at least trying to play football. So, with this announcement this week, have they taken care of both of those things, do you think? I think they're more transparent. Uh, now, it you know, glass half full or half empty. I'll go half empty right now. I think they're one of the reasons why they push back to October 24th or the weekend of October 24th is they're, I think they're hoping that things go bad 
in a way, you know, that they're going to allow what three weeks of the SEC to go and the Big 12 and kind of hoping that things kind of go bad. Like they're canceling a bunch of games and because, you know, they, they needed nine votes, I think. You know, I think they got nine. Uh, and then how the Big Ten works, yeah, oh, guys, we have nine votes. Uh, now we're all going to agree unanimously. So, you know, so it's going to be 14 to zero vote. That's the public vote. But, you know, the, the uh, I think for a long time, like we kept on waiting and waiting. I think it, I don't know who the swing vote would have been, but I think there was a swing vote. And I, I think that in order to get that swing vote, that they had to push up these measures, these protocols to such a nth degree that I, it's excessive in my opinion. And for example, if uh, who, who's our favorite player, probably Wandale Robinson. Okay. If he tests positive, he has to sit out for 21 days. Now, my understanding, the CDC went from 14 days as far as quarantining to 10 days. And I thought all I wanted was a rationale. And so I heard today the rationale, they actually have a rationale. And I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. It's the 14-day the uh, quarantine, essentially. And then they want an extra, then after the quarantine, then they want to do uh, scans on the heart and other body scans to make sure everything's okay. And then they went to seven days to work them back into competition shape, essentially. So I'm like, at least they gave us a rationale. And also, I guess I'll take that. But what I, I do wonder though, if, uh, okay, so if Wandale tests positive, then he actually has to take the, the second test, which is the more, um, accurate tests. And I can, I can't keep them straight. Mutagen. Yeah. So it's going to take, and that, that test would be, take what the, essentially 24, 48 hours to get. And so then I, maybe if that's negative, then, then we don't have to worry about the 21 days. I, I'm not sure, but at least they have a reason, you know, or, or rationale. And so I guess I can go with that. Um, and back to my main point is at least they're trying because days, Sure as hell didn't. They were not interested in trying before, and the even think about the Pac-12 and uh, whatever conference Kent State is a part of. All of a sudden, the Big Ten says they're going to have football, and then the Pac-12 comes out and they're like, "Oh, we want to play football too." And then you find out that some of these guys, some most of the players, are, or is it four of the teams, they haven't been lifting since March. They haven't been, you know, they haven't been doing anything since March. And that's more dangerous, in my opinion, trying to push him back, trying to get him to play on October 24th, trying, because they're not going to be ready. They're going to be so – I mean, if they have not been lifting, I mean, I know they said they were pulling out kettlebells and they were trying to do stuff outside, but that's not the same as getting into a squat rack, you know, and actually pushing weight. And you're going to get a lot of injuries that way. And I think I saw on The Athletic that one of uh, – the coaches that he quoted. So he thinks they need eight weeks to get ready because they haven't been doing anything where the big 10 or the most, at least I know Nebraska, they've been using their 12 allotted hours every week. And they're kind of, you know, at least they're doing something. And I know they've been lifting so that Nebraska has been doing things the right way. They're like, no, we, we want to play. Or some other schools are like, uh, we're probably not going to play. So we're not going to worry about it. So the point is that it's going to take a long – it takes weeks for them to get in football shape. And if they're not in football shape, they're going to get beat up and injured. Yes. And if they're not tackling, yeah. you know, if it's not a physical practice, then you're going to look like Navy. You're going to look like Iowa State. You're going to look like Kansas, right? And then who's the other one? Kansas State, right? Uh, they look bad. Navy said they weren't even tackling each other in their practices. And so they're just tackling whatever they call it, the donut. They just roll the donut down the field and they go and they wrap up. I mean, <laughs> I mean, 
Well, Kansas looked bad because they're not <laughs> very good. Oh, uh, yeah. They would have needed the other team to have like 48 COVID infections and be held out and stuff like that. So I have a, que- uh, I have a question. So let's yeah. say um, – well, let's say they kind of have the same schedule because uh, they haven't set out a schedule yet. We play Rutgers first. And we get to the week of the, the week of the game, and Rutgers has an outbreak in their team. Uh, it's above five percent of their team positivity rate, or whatever, which means they have to shut down for seven days. So that means we can't play them. Is that is that a forfeit? That's what I want to know. Do we get the W? I, you know, well, you were going to claim it. Yeah, right? I know, but like as far as like the division, <laughs> so I, 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 I wonder. I think that I guess everybody could just uh, go ahead and claim Rutgers as a victory because you know you're probably not going to play anybody. But uh, that's a that's a I had never even thought of that. Well, this is somebody else pointed out that if uh, like uh, Nebraska and I don't know Michigan State are the only ones that play and both of them win a game. And they're automatically the champions of the <laughs> their their prospective divisions and the Big Twelve champ or the Big Ten championship game will involve Nebraska and Michigan State. I mean, you, our, our friends. I mean, you really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, no, we might end up, end up only playing four or five games, maybe. Uh, but like we said, they're they're trying. Mm-hmm. It's not a complete capitulation. To an extent, right? Our friends, our friends, Nate, our friends at Off Tackle Empire did an article today on rapid testing. Did you read that article? I didn't. I actually had stuff to do today. I mean, other stuff. No. <laughs> I, I assume it was a, they interviewed the doctor and they, the doctor told, talked about the differences between the PCR test and the antigen test or whatever. Right? Go ahead. Well, what did you learn from our friends? That, I, what did I learn? Yeah. I learned that I don't understand most of this crap. <laughs> but it, it, does, it does sound like they, they have a, a level of testing that's figured out that is actually a pretty decent level of testing. You know what I mean? They have, what, two, di- two different tests they're going to do. And if you test positive on the, the one, then – you could have a false positive, so you automatically go to the antigen test, the uh, which is a much more accurate test. Yes. I mean, that sounds like a decent plan. Sounds like much better than taking a test where you're going to see a high, what was it, Northwestern had to shut down earlier this year, only to find out that it was one player that tested positive and it was a false positive. Was that Northwestern? I know you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but it, so if that second test is negative, but the first test is positive, does that throw the twenty-one day when you know the twenty-one days out? You know, uh, you know what I'm talking about like that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I assume these are questions that will get answered at some point, and people are still working through and trying to figure out. Uh, but at least we're at least we're trying, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, like, like I'm satisfied to an extent on that, and so uh, I'll go with it. Whatever we have to do. But the the other big benefit, the other big benefit to the Big Ten announcing the return of college football is that. It gives those people a chance to write their articles that this is the worst idea ever. This is true. Because you've had, you've had the side come out and, and scream about, oh, my God, there's no college football and they're not trying, you know, which is my complaint. And now those people, you know, I think it was Dave Biddle who wrote, the Big Ten is writing, is, is making the worst mistake in sports history. And it was, a, I thought it was a good point and a good article. Well, now that they're trying and now that it's back on, the people who think the opposite of Dave Biddle, who think that this is now the worst possible decision in Big Ten sports history, 
they get to write their side of it, which is we should all be safe and we should all be, you know, I don't know, warm and cuddly in beds and, and not be 20 year olds and go to parties, which I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I heard part of that, but I know, I think I know what you were saying. Uh, are you talking about the, uh, <laughs> I don't know about the Biddle article. I don't know if I saw that, but there was an article where uh, there's a female writer, uh, Maggie, Maggie, something maybe, where she said that this is the darkest days of the history of the conference. Yes. And USA Today. USA Today. And yeah. it's like, oh, I don't know. Jerry Sandusky is pretty dark. I know the stuff going, you know, with Michigan State, <laughs> that's pretty dark. I don't know. Um, all they're trying to do is play football. You know, I understand there's a pandemic going on and, but they're putting in protocols that are going to make, I mean, they're going to be these players. If you think about the peer pressure. I just think Adrian Martinez, he's like, Hey, all you guys, if you go to your girlfriend's house or apartment or to a party, you better not come around me because if, I get it, and I test positive, even though I have no symptoms. I'm out for 21 days, you know. So, I'll, you know, there's gonna be. I think these kids are gonna be safer playing football than they would otherwise. Because well, I thought it was Iowa that you know after this everything was good, but then after the season was canceled, then they got this explosion of positive tests. It's because yeah, there's no incentive. There's no incentive not to go out to the party or to the bar or hang out because these college kids already think they're, you know, that, that there's no way they're going to, if they get it, like, yeah, whatever, but they're not worried of getting actually sick. And so, but like what, what, some of these writers like Pat 40 of sports illustrated, I don't know. Does he hate us that much? Or is it, he just, or he, he just found his sick and he's like, you know what? Nebraska fans already hate me, so I'm just going to keep on going. And then I think that's he he knows that Nebraska fans are and an online presence. You know, it's kind of like the joke talking about the Knowles. You know how Knowles fans defend their program. Florida State Seminole fans defend their program to a a probably an unhealthy degree. But uh, he knows that he can jab Nebraska fans, and will come get riled up and come back at him. So this morning, and I have yet to see the article, someone wrote that um, the Big Ten has been Nebraska-ized. Do you know what I'm talking about? That no. I assume their, their point is that since we showed up now, we care more about – the Big Ten cares more about college football than the academics. It was Nebraska-ized, I think. It just came out this morning. So – and I and I asked Patrick. I said, you know, what, what article is that? And I think you didn't get back to me. Hey, come on, dude. So, <laughs> yeah, they never they never they never care for you until you're on the phone or on a microphone. I know, and then all of a sudden they want like if you're looking at your phone at all, they're like, what are you looking at? You know. You know what happened to me this week, what? Nate? Root canal. <laughs> you want to hear the story sure. everybody wants to hear a story over at canal so monday right monday one of my molars starts hurting that's a molar like a tooth a big tooth in the big in the back it's on the upper left and it starts to hurt and i think okay well sometimes my teeth hurt and then it goes away so i tell my wife she's like you should call the dentist I'm like, ah, nah, I'm a, I'm male. You know, I ignore things and they go away because that's how it works when you're male. You could have a staph infection and if you ignore it and just have some vodka, it'll go away. Well, Monday night, uh, the pain increases to the point that I don't sleep all night. And, you know, when I was younger, uh, pre-death, uh, I would have been able to handle sleep, not sleeping all night pretty well. But now that I'm older and crustier, it's not sleeping all night is, is really nasty. So I get up and about 7 a.m. the next morning, I'm, I'm to the point the pain is damn near unbearable. You don't remember how bad toothaches can be until you have one and they like 
infect your entire head with pain so much that you don't even know which tooth is the problem because it's spread to all the other teeth. It's like the pain echoes out all over the place in your head. And uh, at 7.30 a.m., I called my dentist. He calls me back like an hour and a half later after I'm weeping on my bed. Uh, I still can't sleep. And uh, he says, well, you know, I'll get you in. And then he calls me about 45 minutes later. And he says, how soon can you be here? I'm like, I'm not showered. I'm crustier than ever. And I'm like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. So I drive down there and he looks at my teeth and he does the x-ray and he goes, uh, you have an abscessed tooth. And you know what an abscessed tooth is? Infected, right? Yes, yeah. it's infected. You know what it was infected with? It was infected with socialism. Oh, geez. It was. I could tell it. I could tell it was socialism because I'm a capitalist pig. <laughs> and one tiny bit of socialism infecting my body would cause massive amounts of pain. So he says, we're going to have to drill it all out and drill into the, you know, clean out the, the little root things. And, and so he does, you know, he numbs it up. He numbs it up, right? And I tell him, I said, it's socialism. I know it's infected with socialism. And I said, I'm really worried about you and your assistant, though, because the moment, you know, like normally when you hit something that's infected and you cut it open, it bursts open and the infection stuff flies everywhere, kind of like a boil. You ever cut open a boil? No, I have not. Well, it just explodes. Wham! Infected stuff everywhere. So I looked at him and I say, I'm really worried about the fact that when you hit this infection, it's going to blow up and you're going to be infected with socialism. And then it's going to be like the next zombie apocalypse. Everybody's going to, it's going to spread faster than this fucking COVID stuff. Okay. So I have a question. Oh, oh, uh, you know, he's drilling, oh, good, drilling and he goes, you know, and I winced one time and he, he looks at me and he goes, I'm pretty sure all the nerves are dead. And I said, no, no, they're, they're not all dead. There's one left. It's Bernie Sanders, because that son of a bitch, that son of a bitch will never go away, right? So, you know, I'm, I'm laying there, and uh, that's, that's my story about my abscess tooth. But, you know, he says, uh, you know, I can give you a narcotic, but I have to check with your cardiologist. I have to check with your doctors. He goes, Percocet or Oxycontin, and I'm like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not taking an opioid because... Uh, seriously, I wake up every day with headaches because of the brain injury. And it's a matter of what, how severe they are. And I know that if I took an opioid, like an Oxycontin, and they all went away and I felt great, I want to keep taking it. And then after that, I become that guy that does stuff like I'd start hacking into banks and stealing all your money. And then I, you know, seduce older women and take all their money just so I can get more drugs. And then, you know, I've lived it. Not a horrible life so far, but then you end your life, you end up a drug addict and overdosing after you've stolen all the money from these women, embarrassed my family and my children. Although they probably would have said publicly, they would have probably said, well, we kind of expected this anyway. Shocked it didn't happen sooner. That's why I didn't take the opioids. So I didn't have any painkiller. I go home. <laughs> I need to breathe. And I start taking the amoxicillin. I'm told, you know, it's supposed to kick in in a little bit. And it kicks in for a while. And then when I go to bed Tuesday night, it doesn't kick in at all. And it's just more pain. And uh, I don't know. It's been a shitty week. So how many uh, root canals did you have? <laughs> I had like a half of one, okay. I guess. I got the tooth drilled out. I have to go to an odontist okay. to finish this complex procedure root canal. Uh, big, which really translates to me is I'm going to refer you to somebody else that's going to charge you more to finish this. Okay, so it looks like your son has lost all of his. No, teeth. the top two teeth. When he was about two year, two three years ago. Um, I lost my two front teeth by by hitting a by slipping and hitting the a bathtub side. Yes, so he, he actually just leaned down, hit his teeth on the bathtub, had two root canals, and he's just fine. He walked away. He's like, Dad, I'm tougher than you, and I'm tougher than John. That's what he said. This was three years ago, before I ever knew you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 
Yeah, probably is. Then <laughs> fine. Whatever. No, no, Great I, thing, kid. You're tougher than me. I, he really had two, and that, and because you know, he was a kid. They had to put him in a straight jacket, and so he probably doesn't remember that time. That was not fun. But all right, you can go. Yeah, you can go. Anyways, so what other Nebraska football <laughs> stuff we got? What other Nebraska football stuff we have? I'm thinking that we need to probably actually start producing content about football, like pres- like uh, position previews. Uh, I'm game. Both of my sons. You know what else happened this week? You know what else happened this week? I'll tell you what else happened this week. My rotten son, the one that goes to the University of Minnesota that's now living at home and doing all these classes online, right? I'm downstairs, and Tuesday I'm mostly – you know, incapacitated brain-wise. I don't want to work on anybody's like database servers because I know if I make a mistake, I'll blow everything to shreds. So when I'm working on highly complex IT issues like I do, uh, I usually extract myself from the situation when my brain isn't in the right place because if I make mistakes, it can cost people a lot of money and then they point the finger at me and I go, what? But uh, he walks downstairs, he interrupts me while I'm playing Call of Duty, and he obviously wants to talk to me. And he's standing in front of me, and I'm looking at him, and he goes, and I say, what? He's not saying anything. And then he points at his hoodie, and he goes, I got new clothes. And guess what he has on? A uh, Nebraska shirt. No, God, what? I know, I know he goes you, to Minnesota. Attention to the story of Minnesota. Yeah, I know, I, but I don't know, maybe he – Changed. I don't know. Okay, well, what was he wearing? He's wearing a Notre Dame hoodie. Why? Is he got accepted to grad school there? No, oh. no. It's because he's a bastard. Oh. It's because he knew. He looked at me and he goes, this is my team now. And I said, you, you're – because, you know, when the oh. Big Ten wasn't going to play, we were all about, like, who else are you going to root for? <laughs> and he hates Clemson, but then he chooses Notre Dame. And I'm like, get that shit the fuck out of my house. What the hell are you doing? And they were talking about it while we're eating supper one night and his mother's there. And he says, you know, maybe I should uh, buy an Alabama hoodie. And his mother looks at him and goes, okay, let's not take this to that far. And I'm like, yeah, see that? Your mother would not want you to wear an Alabama hoodie. That's, you know, at least some level of decency you Piece of shit, son. You know, at least he picked a team that could win because I I picked – I said, you know what team I'm going to adopt? This is before the Big Ten announced they're going to play. was Iowa State, and that didn't go too well. <laughs> no, I, so, I thought about it too after, after having that podcast interview. I thought, well, I'll root for yeah. Iowa State. Boy, they look like a bucket of poop. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I guess I'm, they're still my team. You don't just drop off, but you know they'll be my team until Nebraska shows up and hopefully they play. So, but I, I'm looking forward to writing articles about football. That's gonna, that's hopefully going to happen instead of you know wishing it would happen. And right at this point, I'm not expecting. Nine games because they're going to do eight games plus the plus one. Did you see that? They're going to do okay. yes. So for people who don't under, who don't know, they're going to play the eight game schedule. There's going to be a Big Ten championship game between the the winner of the West Division and the winner of the East, and then they're hoping that the number two in each division will play each other. The number three will play each other. Number four and so on. Uh, that might not work out. Um, Barry Alvarez said that if like the two and the two had already played each other, then maybe they'll do the two and the three and then the three and the two. Uh, but I think it's good, good idea. So that'd be nine games. I don't, at this point, I'm not going to expect to play nine. Uh, but all I want out of this season is to get like four or five games in and Scott Frost in Nebraska looks really good. And like gangbusters, like, look at this is what he, he envisioned. This is a, a team full of players that he recruited. And this is what it's going to look like going forward. So then that's what he can sell 
to the next set of recruits because the thing that bothered me the most when the season was canceled initially was Scott Frost has to sell hope again for the fourth season, you know, and then any, on top of that is, you know, part of a conference that shut down prematurely. He's like, do you want to be a part of that conference? You know? So I just hope that he can, you know, maybe if we play Rutgers first, let's look really good against them. And then whoever we play after that and so forth. And then if they have to cancel it when flu season comes around and all that, then I guess we'll have to live with it. But as far as the future of the program, that's what I'm looking at. The other thing that came up this week from my two sons was there apparently was some article or something that came out that ranked all 130 FBS quarterbacks. And they told me that Adrian Martinez was rated like in the 80th, somewhere 80th or 75th or some damn thing like that. You know what, what the ranking was? Yeah, I think that was a couple of weeks ago. I almost want to say that he was lower than that. I mean, worse than that, like 120th type of, I mean, that might've been a month ago. Uh, If it's the same thing I'm thinking of, we're like, are we really that far? Are people really that far down on Adrian? Well, I think people that don't, they're not around the program probably are. Uh, But I think that you could tell that he was, he might have been playing at 60% at the best. And then I'm mean, having a whole article on every, every excuse he had. And uh, he's not going to have those excuses this year. Uh, as far as he has a whole, his offensive, whole entire offensive line's back. You know, he's got probably more weapons now than he did. And, uh, and it's his third year. You know, he looked like his second year, he looked like he was trying just to be a pocket passer. I'm not really sure. He was afraid to run for a first down. You know, he just wasn't himself, you know, except for the the second half against Illinois, probably. But Well, we, we, I got into an argument with him, and I said, you know, his freshman year, he was phenomenal. He was accurate. He moved well. He, he you know, he, there was a reason why he had a little bit of Heisman hype, the coming into his second season and then obviously his second season he wasn't that good but so bad that you drop him that far of all the quarterbacks in the FBS I don't think so you know I I guess you know both of my sons are like they shouldn't even play him they should play that other kid Luke McCaffrey and I'm like you'd give up on a kid that quick I mean you wouldn't even give him a chance to redeem himself you wouldn't give him a chance to be the starter again you know, and I know there's a lot of these people who are like, well, he's going to play that Adrian Martinez guy because it's his guy and that's what he's going to do. You know, I, I think that's some kind of dipshitted negative response because I think Scott Frost knows that he has to be successful and he's going to do whatever he has to to be successful. And that is not going to be having, you know, personal, I have this personal attachment or this is my guy. I mean, if, if Luke McCaffrey isn't his guy, then he wouldn't be recruited there in the first place. So I think that there's two things about that. Number one, I I guess I don't think he'd give up on a kid that easily. I think you'd give him a chance to redeem himself. Plus he's a pretty good player when he's healthy. You know, you can look at it and say, well, it was a shit year, but it was a shit year for everybody. And then you put him back out there and uh, you see how well he does. And if he doesn't do that well, you do have a guy that's now been around for a year and has learned the offense and can go into games and, probably run more of the offense than a few packages like Luke McCaffrey did last year. Yeah. Everyone wants, thinks, you know, Luke's the new shiny toy or whatever. You, you saw him come in and play, like you said, a couple packages. Teams aren't ready for the packages. And yeah, he, he throws for a touchdown or, you know, or makes a big play. That's completely different than being the starting quarterback for a football team where the, a, a school is, preparing for you and has had, let's say three, four or five games to prepare for, you know, and then you have to make the adjustment after they make the adjustment. Luke hasn't had to do that. He hasn't had to really stand in the pocket and deliver. He's always on, you know, he's an amazing athlete, supposedly one of the fastest on the team. That's nice to have a, a quarterback position, but 
you know, I, I think what we're going to get, I mean, was it Scott Frost or was it Mario Verduzco that essentially said it's an open competition going into the season. And I, you know, Martinez doesn't have it in the bag and, and that he didn't show the urgency and he didn't prepare as well last year because he didn't, he wasn't worried about the guy behind him. Well, that's different now with, uh, Luke McCaffrey because Luke McCaffrey's right on his heels because he's faster than Adrian and supposedly he's very he's extremely smart and um, so I hope there's a great competition and hopefully if Adrian wins that um, Luke won't transfer out like his little brother not little brother his older brother Dylan did from Michigan you know two days ago or yesterday so. Yeah, it's not going to be this – it's not – I hope Adrian gets the starting job, but I am also hope that it is a battle because that will make Adrian better and that will make Luke better. Or, or Logan Smothers, him too. We forget about him. Right. There was one other thing that happened today, and that's that uh, Nebraska baseball played a scrimmage. I know nothing about it, so you can go ahead and take over <laughs> on that one. Somebody on Coronation had asked us, so what do you guys think of the baseball scrimmage today? They really asked that? <laughs> no, yeah. they didn't. Really? Yes, they did. It's right there on the Coronation. I don't know. I know we got I know that the department emailed us like highlights and stuff. I haven't had a chance to look at. All right, I guess we we I haven't I guess we got some good pitchers, I think. I mean, baseball's not my college baseball is not my thing. So Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, the only thing I'd say about it is uh, it was it was disappointing to not see what uh, Will Bolt could do in his first year as Nebraska's head baseball coach. I was really looking forward to that, and it didn't happen. And, you know, hopefully they'll get the chance to uh, have some fall scrimmages and fall fun. And then, uh, you know, when, they, when this thing all first started, there was these proposals by college baseball coaches to move the season – later and then those proposals and everything have kind of disappeared and gone by the wayside so i wonder as college you know i'm guessing that with all of the the flux and all of the rest of the sports schedules that um we won't see anything happen with baseball which is i think kind of unfortunate because baseball really could benefit from taking the season and moving it out of february and starting it in march and ending ending it in july in omaha I know people don't like change, but come on, it's it's not that huge, I don't think. But uh, there's no volleyball. There's going to be no fall volleyball. Uh, basketball is going to start on the 25th, November 25th, I should say. Uh, they're only allowed four non-conference games. Uh, we don't know what they're going to be yet. And then it's just going to be all conference basketball games for Hoiberg. So, oh. So they four non-conference games in basketball. I think they usually get eight, and now they're only allowed four because the Big Ten doesn't. It's you know it's interesting. The Big Ten does not control any of the other sports except for football. Football, uh, Division One, Power Five football. It might be all Division One football. That's run born by the conference, <sighs> right? Yeah. And, and the NCAA because the NCAA doesn't own the college football yes. playoff. And so, and NCAA does own March Madness, and yes. I think didn't they copyright the uh, some about the bubble or the. A couple of months ago, like some like the battle on the bubble or the court. Yeah. Yes. And so they're going to make their money somehow. They lost a lot of money by not having the NCAA tournament last year. So six or seven hundred billion dollars. Six hundred. Oh, yeah. Like you know, no, no. <laughs> hey, that's a lot. I don't know about that, but four trillion dollars. You know. When you when you're a socialist, you just make things up. And obviously, I've been, and I'm still trying to get rid of the infection, man. I'd say it's just it's it's just taking over your body and your mind or something, right? <laughs> it's 
It's got some brain cells doing funky math. Oh, jeez. Well, I was next. Alex Jones needs some competition. All right. What, do we have anything else? You have any good stories that happened to you this week? Good stories? Um, not really. Not really. Oh, I, I do. Uh, actually, how about this? I uh, I started jujitsu during this whole pandemic thing, and what? yeah, jujitsu. And uh, so on Tuesday we were rolling, and rolling is essentially your spar, you're fighting essentially. And um, I got tapped out by a guy like half my size. So uh, you know, uh, if you want to know where my confidence is. <laughs> Yeah, he's a former wrestler. I, I, you know, probably like an all-state wrestler, and uh, yeah, so that's fun. Well, okay. I mean, he he, a former wrestler, and I'm a former basketball player. Okay, you know what? I I know wrestlers. I knew wrestlers when I was young. I don't think you ever become a former wrestler. You know, I think when you're walking down the street as a wrestler through the back of your head as Nate, you might be thinking walking down the street going, man, I'd like a hot ham and cheese sandwich, but I can guarantee you that wrestler guy, he's walking down the street and he's going, I could put that guy in a four lock hammer head and crush him in two seconds. And every does that to every guy he meets ever in his life. Yeah. Um, There's no former wrestlers. Okay. They're there all the time. Well, and he's also super young and, uh, super strong, and he uh, he uh, got me in a arm lock and could have tore my shoulder out of the socket, but I tapped. <laughs> yeah. So how is uh, how's school going? Like my kids' school. Well, I mean, how's the COVID thing going? Well, is everybody, you know, testing positive everywhere, dropping dead. There. Uh, <laughs> uh, luckily, I'm at a small town because. They're going off of the county health department, and so we're not in the middle of Omaha. You know, we're not OPS. And so as long as Cass County and Sarpy County's numbers stay low, it's all – everything's been normal except for wearing masks. And they're doing – you know, every time they take a picture and they send it to us, they're all social distancing, you know, which I know it's like – I know you're not, you know. <laughs> Maybe you're a desk further apart, but uh, I don't know. It's that they they need to. It's important to me that they're interacting socially with other kids instead of hanging out at home with me, because that's what how that pandemic started was me at home, and that was not going well. <laughs> they're all alive, though. Yeah, we're all alive. That's true. Well, what happened? My wife is a preschool teacher, and this week she had a mother who tested positive and still brought her kids to school, and uh, her husband still went to work, and you're kind of like, what part of this whole test positive going to quarantine thing are you not understanding? Why is this so difficult for people? And I mean, I still see everybody, you know, I still see a lot of people on my Facebook timelines, and I mention that a lot because I don't get out and I don't talk to people uh, other than you. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I still see them with the whole, well, they, this mask won't help with the smoke from the fire, so how is it going to help us with this? And it's not that hard. You know, it's droplets of your spit when you're talking that the mask keeps from getting on other people, and that's what carries the virus. This is not difficult. You're still not wearing the masks. And then you got people who are still going around and thinking this is a hoax and then they're infecting other people. And then we're, this is why we can't have good things. We can't have nice things, you know, cause people are just fucking selfish and lazy, you know, and, and you can make the argument that no, we don't need to shut down in the economy and all that stuff, but you can still do the, like wearing a mask. It's not that hard. Just pretend you're a ninja like I do. Remember what I said about that wrestler guy that walks down the street and he's thinking about like putting people in headlocks and all that shit. I'm in line at the grocery store and I'm cutting people's heads off in my brain with a katana sword. I'm slicing them in half. You ever watch like the Seven Samurai Akira Kurosawa films? No. Ron, Ron you watch the. You just look Akira Kurosawa up on Netflix. 
I don't know if his movies are there. And just watch them. Yeah, they're going to be dubbed. But that's where uh, Spielberg, you know, the, uh, the, what, who's the guy that did Star Wars? Oh. George, George Lucas. Lucas yeah. Okay. Star Wars, the format for Star Wars came from an Akira, Kurosawa movie called The Hidden Fortress. And in that movie, there's these two like Chinese or Japanese guys, Japanese guys, Kurosawa is Japanese. And they're the spitting image of R2-D2 and uh, that other 3CPO, you know, the whiny two, you know, nah, 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 back and forth. 3CPO is, yeah, was so whiny, not R2-D2. Do not put that in R2-D2. Okay, well, you get the idea. I forgot that you're the big Star Wars guy. Uh, but you watch those and you can watch like beautiful sword fighting, beautiful fighting, people getting sliced in half with katana swords. That's what I do mentally when I'm wearing my mask and I encounter people that piss me off at the grocery store. Just like that wrestler guy, you know, sometimes I put a throwing star right in the middle of somebody's head, right in the forehead. Sometimes I beat him up with nunchucks. Good. Uh, that makes you feel better. <laughs> <laughs> That makes you feel better. This is the podcast content people are looking yeah. for. Uh, I was in Kansas City a couple weekends ago, and I walked into the gas station, and uh, I was checking out, and this other guy walks up. He's not wearing a mask, and this lady goes, uh, sir, I'm going to need you to put a mask on. And he's like, uh, he kind of does this. He's like, I'll, I'll only do it so I can talk to you. He's like, you know, I hate – you know, this is all just bullshit, you know, all this. And he goes on a little rant. And I I about said something to him about, I'm like, buddy, do you realize she didn't make this rule? You know, like, it's not her rule. You know, like, you're being a dick to her. But my entire family's in the in our car outside waiting for me. And I, you know, I and I don't, I'm not saying Kansas City is super you know not safe or anything but i'm like i don't know i mean who knows what this guy's up to type of deal you know and so he but she she actually held her own she's like yeah i agree with you but i don't make the rules so she she did really well but i'm like why do people not understand that you know these the people that you're talking to on a daily basis they're not the ones who who are passing these rules down you know, so just move on. Just say, yeah, it sucks. You know, do I want to put on a mask every time I go into a store? No, but just do it. Because guess what? It covers your face. Then you're not going to see someone you know, and then you have to make awkward conversation with them and act like you like each other. You know, just you just move and walk, go on right by them because they don't see you, you don't see them, and things go a lot quicker. So how do you think, since you saw that whole situation, how do you think she was murdering him in her mind? <laughs> Probably like with a bat, I would suspect, you know. Wow. That's pretty aggressive. Yeah, I, I mean, that's just like, I mean, just think about that job. All these people you see and you know, she's like, oh, she sees the guy walking out of the corner of her eye. He's not wearing a mask and, she, and she's like, oh, come on. Just put a mask on. I'm tired. It's getting late. You know, I have to say it again. So she says it. And, you know, I, I used to have. You know, if I was her, you know, if I was her, how I would have murdered him? With a katana? No. Oh, come on. I already did that one. I would have, like, locked him in a meat locker. And then every 15 minutes while he was succumbing to uh, exposure and Hyper, you know, hyper, come on, when, when you get cold, hyperthermia, that was horrible. When he was slowly succumbing to that, I just throw a mask in the room every 15 minutes and I go, maybe this will keep you warm, Bob. <laughs> Is this what you think yeah. about during the day? Is this what, I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> I did say I don't get out much and thank God we're going to have something to talk about. Like, uh, I don't know, football. We, we should probably in the next few weeks start talking about actually position previews and what, what we think we're going to have for a football team that might get to play. Agreed. It'd be nice. It's going to be nice to actually talk about something that is going or we hope it's going to happen. 
or we're going to try, or at least they're going to try to have happen instead of just giving up Yes. before you even had an opportunity to even think about it. Anyways, I guess move on, but should we end it there then? Should we be done? I think you so. Got anything else? Uh, no, I mean, not that I want to go on another rant about, you know, the top, you know, not like, Oh, who are the players you're interested in watching or anything like that? So that's, that's good for another time, but. It is. It is. All right. So we, we're going to be done. Thank you for listening. This has been the Five Heart Podcast with John Johnston and Nate McHugh. Go Big Red. See you guys.